you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The Around the NFL Podcast. Posts its workouts to Instagram Live. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined in a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Happy Monday. Post nose workout? I haven't yet, but um, if you guys are going to do it, I guess I could do it as well. I think the closest I've seen is, is TD's little basketball setup that he has sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Our TD. former producer. Now, for like four years removed from producing the show. I mean, right. th- we've been around a while. Yeah. Sitting in on meetings with LeBron James, talking strategy for uh, LeBron's media company. I'm sure he's bringing a lot to that role. Um, welcome to our show. Uh, you know, the free agency wave, it is high and it is mighty, but it crashes very quickly. And just a little, you know, uh, example of that is after two hours of live coverage here at NFL Network with Andrew Siciliano, the Up to the Minute program, they cut in the middle of the afternoon to an AAF game between the Birmingham Iron and the San Diego fleet it's actually starting to come in now it's starting to like the muscle memory for AAF terms is Mm. coming together Um, so that gives you a bit of an idea that things have slowed down um, on on the free agency end of things Greg there's still names out there but in terms of ooh la la it's over now yeah I mean I'm interested to see where Justin Houston and Dominican Sue Ziggy Yance guys like that go but it's few and far between there might be some surprise trades but if we knew they were coming they wouldn't be surprised and that's why I'm just jumping full into the AAF and the story of Luis Perez, which has now convinced <laughs> Chris Wesseling that the AAF is a worthwhile operation. Well, 3% what is of that is true. What is his story? He's an interesting guy. His father played Major League Soccer in Mexico. Not he, interesting so far. He has bowled 12 perfect games. Okay, not bad. Never played football in high school because uh, oh, he was recruited for a bowling scholarship. I don't know what happened in his life that that somehow fell through. And then uh, – now here he is playing football at the highest level. Well, well, you know. Like, wait, Wes. Now you're watching. The, the now you're all level. in on AAF games. I have not watched a this? single snap. I just 
when Greg mentioned Louis Perez, I remembered that like coming out of college, he seemed to have an interesting story. And Peter Schreger has a nice <laughs> video about it. Uh, more importantly, Mark, there, uh, I have not watched a lot of AAF action, but it was on in my uh, sitting on my television at my desk. Uh, in the in the snippet I watched, it was Terrell Davis in the studio. They were talking Trent Richardson, by the way, who has 17 touchdowns or something now. <laughs> so our sandwich prop could be still hanging in the balance. Troubled. Terrell Davis from the studio throwing it back to the game telecast booth featuring Matt Moneysmith. I mean, how many jobs can you have? At what point do you go home? <laughs> uh, MJD and Marvin Lewis, all men on the NFL media payroll. We haven't gotten a call yet to get get a taste of that AAF guap. I did hear uh, Greg downstairs say, I'm going to get involved in this AAF action next season. So I think that well, will change. Greg now. will pursue that. Well, next year. <laughs> I'm saying bring us all. I think, I mean, you better you better be careful. I didn't, hear, it, I, I didn't hear we we're all going to do it. I just heard I've got I to. Said, if you said if you throw that out there, Dan, you got to be ready to, because I think they would like the, say no. the sort of coverage that maybe a, a podcast could bring. Join, yeah. join Vince McMahon in the XFL next year. That's open. I mean, they have Johnny Manziel now, too. I'm not sure there's a clamoring for an AAF podcast. The Around the AAF pod, oh. it has a decent ring to it. You gotta, I mean, we've spent a solid five-plus minutes on you've it gotta, already. You've so got to start somewhere. It. And the key is, as long as those checks are you know clearing. I mean, Matt Money Smith, he's not turning down any jobs. If, if you want to buy uh, some property down here in Los Angeles uh, area, we got to get some new you, jobs. You were reading into it uh, correctly, Mark. Uh, this is Greg. He's an ambitious young man, and I, I respect <laughs> him for that. Um, he wants to get his foot in the door. I threw out there, there is not at this point an AAF media insider, uh, like an Ian Rappaport role. Maybe Greg could throw himself headlong like into the transaction business. I like that. And what was my response to that? That's a joke. Who would want to do that job? I, well, I, I mean, you're just talking about it. I mean, it's year one of the league. When it keeps growing. It I, might be the perfect. There are many things I would do, like in a different light of work, than try to be an insider. Getting your foot in the door right now is like getting your foot into the NFL in 1920. Bingo. <laughs> Go along for the ride, buddy. Um, big show coming up. Big big show coming up. We're gonna go spin through the news. Some. Uh, uh, free agent happenings that have occurred since our last show. Uh, we recorded on Friday morning, so it's been a bit. So we'll catch up on all that. And uh, Dave Gettleman speaks, and um, we listen because there's a morbid curiosity uh, for all things coming out of northern New Jersey these days. Uh, Mark, before we get to the news, though, I do want to check in with you. It is a new day, of course, for the Cleveland Browns and, and you as a Browns fan. You said on Wednesday when we first talked about the Odell Beckham trade, that you would need the weekend to truly process it. Take us through your mind as it floated through this magical forest of possibility surrounding your Cleveland Browns. I feel two things. I feel very realistically optimistic about what they put together. And I also feel uh, something that Andrew Siciliano mentioned when I did a piece with him on Friday about all that's happened is that the, the longtime Browns fan is naturally in a position where you're waiting for something awful to happen. Right. And you almost need a period of time for something not awful to happen and maybe the entire season to play out in a non-disastrous way to truly shake it. Any Browns fan that's been around since the 80s that tells me they're just perfect, everything's great now, has not actually absorbed what's come before. So cautious optimism, but I really like what they've done and that they're going for it. Why not? How? Why? Why? Pers- why be in the front office of an NFL team without trying just to go for it and win. Uh, give me a break. That's Art, what they've been doing for two decades. Believe land. I know you're a man who likes to, on occasion, get away from it all. 
maybe have a, a book, a Kerouac book, and a glass of wine in the corner of a bar? Did you find that type of peaceful place? And instead of Kerouac, you just looked into the air and thought about the possibilities. Did you have that moment where you processed it? I would say that the one other low-level factor that I'm not sure I want to mention into too much detail is that the rest of my uh, life feels like it's slightly on fire with responsibilities and economic woes right now, so it's not truly a vacation land. <laughs> so maybe fair. the weekend wasn't the place that, for it to be No, <laughs> I think it will come in time. It is funny as a family man, the weekend when you're younger, everybody's blah, 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 blah. When you get older and you got kids and family and money and responsibility, it's basically, you know, a landmine of responsibility. It has little treasures. Not party. It has little treasures, but it's not a, you're, you're, what you're doing, not everyone's going to want to watch on their Instagram story. Right. Sunday through Saturday through Sunday. All right, there you go. Checked in with Mark. How to do that. Now let's get into the news. This narrative that Eli's overpaid and can't play is a crock. All right, that was the voice of Dave Gettleman, the general manager and executive vice president of the New York football giants. And as we know, Gettleman is under fire uh, after making the incredibly um, surprising decision to part ways with Odell Beckham, as we were just talking about. So he spoke with the media. Apparently, you know, obviously a lot of questions um, about why he did it. Um, you heard there, the little snippet. Uh, he got back behind the idea of everyone wants to write off Eli, but look at his numbers and how the team improved once the offensive line improved in the back half of 2018. Uh, so we could break that down. But let's start by listening to um, his explanation uh, why Odell Beckham Jr. is no longer playing for the Giants. Odell is a tremendous talent, making him a valuable asset. With football being the ultimate team game, and you know you and you guys know I've said that a number of times. With football being the ultimate team game, we turn that fact into three assets at the very least. Some have questioned why we signed Odell and then traded him. As I said publicly twice, we didn't sign him to trade him, but obviously things changed. And frankly, what changed is another team made an offer we couldn't refuse. And as it turned out, the fact that he was signed for four, for five more years made him very attractive and enabled us to get legitimate value. Your thoughts on that, Chris Wesley? Dave Gettleman has a podium, podium which means he can disseminate whatever propaganda he wants. But there are consequences, and one of those consequences has been this team has eight wins in two years. The quarterback has some of the worst numbers in game films of any starting quarterback. And the roster is one of the worst in the NFL. Now, take the skills that can be separated from surrounding talent. Is the quarterback's pass supposed to nosedive just before it reaches the wide receiver? Is his deep ball supposed to look like it ran into a wall of wind? <laughs> is he supposed to fall into habits where he only trusts in-breaking routes? Is he supposed to be a statue in the pocket where he's unable to deal with pressure? These are the things you can see with Eli Manning outside of his offensive line, outside of his wide receivers. This is what Eli Manning's bringing to the table. And his misevaluation of Eli Manning, going back to last year when he said he came in not to rebuild but to tweak the roster, and he said Eli Manning was still a Pro Bowl quarterback, this is haunting the franchise still to this day and will continue to haunt the franchise. 
he has a credibility issue, Dave Gettleman. I mean, that's the problem is he's making these statements that, oh, something came up. Someone offered us a great trade. Well, yeah, someone would offer a trade after you pay a huge signing bonus to all the top players in the league. Uh, hey, let's go trade for Aaron Donald right now and a bunch of his base salaries. But the Rams aren't going to do it. Like, let's go trade for a number of, like, great players after you already paid for a huge signing bonus. They're not going to do it. So nothing. So he's lying, and he also lied by saying that it was just a football decision, that it didn't have to do with the off-field stuff. And that's that's part of the problem is when you're trying to sell this idea of, of the Giants as some franchise that in any way is different or better than any other franchise, it's just not believable anymore. It's not. If it's just a football decision – it is a awful decision. It's a decision that should get you fired. And and like I said last week, I think it's going to be very difficult, barring some magic Eli season here, that, that he survives this because this is as bad P- at PR as a general manager's had in some time. But to me, the only way that move, Mark, made sense was if there was a lot going on behind the scenes. That Beckham, for the theatrics on the sideline that will rub people the wrong way, it was even worse behind the scenes. We haven't heard anything of that reported, and Gettleman now is saying as much. It had nothing to do with anything else, but we wanted to get better. I I don't buy into that. I think it is one of the more anti-Giants eras that we've ever seen because it feels to me like organizational confusion. And when you look at ownership, I feel that there are two narratives that have been enduring over the past couple of years. One is a public uh, frustration with some of the Odell Beckham behavior and antics and sort of a game of chicken where we don't know if we can put up with this or we might or we're going to pay you because either we're going to pay you or you go away or we're going to try to make this work and it's not working and there's continued frustration. And B was the public relations disaster that happened with the benching of Eli Manning and the over- correction that came with it, which I feel, if I had to guess, behind the scenes, part of hiring Gettleman and and Pat Shermer, where you're going to deal with Eli Manning for the next year, and you're going to say all the right things. And by the way, you're going to deal with him for a second year. And they have $46 tied up in Eli Manning over last year in this. And it's they've lost Odell Beckham. Ownership, I think, has won out over Dave Gettleman, who is essentially like a Trojan horse. (laughs) And the guy who's getting killed publicly, but is having to verbalize what he knows his boss wants. Well, I think what backs that up is every single person who's reported on this has said that that interview last year with ESPN in which he was asked, is Eli Manning a good quarterback? And Odell Beckham said, I don't know, which to me showed incredible restraint on his part (laughs) and maturity. I wouldn't go that far. Because he's the only one in the building building capable of evaluating that quarterback. Well, restraint would be to not answer the question. No, that is restraint. I don't know is a good answer because it's obvious to everyone else watching the games that he's been washed up for three years. Well, good answer to you as a football evaluator, but as a teammate in the middle of a football season, to me that was not the right answer. In the middle of a lost season because it's a lost franchise that did not put a better team on the field, and he has to deal with it. But the Beckham decision is not in a vacuum. It's it's the part where Gettleman has a credibility issue is he could have traded Landon Collins. Like, if they didn't believe Landon Collins was worth a franchise tag, he said, well, we didn't get a trade offer we thought was worth him for him last year. Well, yeah, I mean, but whatever you got might have been better than nothing. We'll see how the compensatory, you know, formula works out, if whether he gets a compensatory pick or not. But e- either way, like, you make that trade. You you show some foresight. You don't make a trade for Alec Ogletree and give up draft picks for that. So this isn't like a team that looks like they're trying to rebuild. I just don't feel like they're letting their true football person run the team. 
there are mixed desires from ownership to the coaching staff and the front office. And what we get, and I think Gettleman in Carolina did a lot of unpopular things, but we always liked him because he seemed like a straight shooter, a dude that was pulled out of, he wasn't, he was sort of anti-political. And in New York, he's unfurled these unbelievably confusing messages for two seasons now. And they don't mix, they don't match because there's not a clear football person running the show. He is ownership's mouthpiece. I've been a part of it is too that, the Giants always have this big thing about tradition that they kind of never change who they are. I mean, Gettleman is Ernie Acorsi's, you know, pupil. Right. It's like this is all like it's all part of one long Giants lineage. And because of that, I think they they don't admit mistakes like Eli. Well, Ernie like, Acorsi, I, I mean, Eli Manning is his showpiece. Like he's the one who drafted him. He's the one who stood by him. So, of course, Gettleman's going to. You know, the apple doesn't fall that, far from the tree. The franchise stability and structure that you speak of is, uh, it has helped that organization run extremely well for decades. Um, to me, that's what's made the last couple of years so surprising. And a lot of it maybe does, at the end of the day, it does all center around Eli and their inability to kind of cut the cord. And I guess when you win two Super Bowls the way he did, beating who he did, uh, the organization just – it's love. It's a love story between these two sides, and they don't and they don't want to break up with but each the other. But pr- that's the problem is that in football terms, th- that second Super Bowl over the Patriots is ancient history. It's ages ago, and all the rest of the league not is in that gr- building though. That's fine, but that's right. why they're behind. Yeah, and it's it's like when your general manager is being accused of simply kowtowing to like following the words of Mike Francesa on WFAN. It's just total confusion in the Giants organization. And you actually the- buy that. I don't buy that at all. I don't buy that at all, but I I do buy the fact that that Francesa and ownership, they are very tight. And I'm not saying that Francesa is doing everything parody. What is Francesa's original football opinion? I know Mike Francesa pretty well through the years as a listener, and he says he's close to a lot of people. I don't know if he's actually close to I'm not saying Francesa's doing anything. It's just it's it's muddled. It's more muddled messaging from a team where there isn't one clear voice or plan. All right, let's go to another team here, the Miami Dolphins. Uh, And it is a good kind of study in two teams that are – trying to build toward a future. Uh, so we'll hop in the organic fish tank. Uh, Miami does not have a quarterback or did not have a quarterback heading into the weekend uh, because Teddy Bridgewater met with the team, decided to stay in New Orleans. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, the Dolphins decide, hey, we, you know what? We just want a fresh start. We're turning the page. They trade him uh, to the Titans. So they have to make a move. Ryan Fitzpatrick becomes that move. Uh, he signs a two-year, $11 million deal. With the Dolphins, Rap Sheet reported that Sunday. The team confirmed the signing. He's 36 years old. This is his eighth NFL franchise. It's his third team in the AFC East. The Pats are the only team he hasn't played for at this point. Uh, Wes, your thoughts on this move? Because uh, Fitzpatrick obviously showed last year in spurts in Tampa that he could absolutely sling it and pile up yards and some points. Uh, is, this, is this the right move for a Dolphins team that otherwise seems to be completely tearing it down? Well, if the goal is inorganic tanking, if the priority is, like Thomas Dimitrov said years ago, until you find your quarterback, the search for him consumes you. If that's your priority, finding a quarterback in the future to attach your franchise to, this is the right move. Like, Ryan Fitzpatrick can play well in sport spurts if he has the Bucks surrounding talent and play caller that he had last year. With the Dolphins, he's not going to have any of that. This is going to be a bad team. But I don't think, like, Eli – he's not any worse than Eli, Teddy, or Tannen. I mean, maybe a little bit worse than those guys. But to me, it's a recipe to getting a good draft pick. He's a good value at that price. I mean, that's the thing. Like, the, there's a lot of talk about whether they're tanking and whether they're – you know, what, what exactly they're trying to do. 
Because Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to go try to win. Brian Flores, their head coach, is going to try to win. Everyone in the locker room is going to try to win. But I think it's just a process that they are understandably going to take some short-term pain by getting rid of all these contracts that the Mike Tannenbaum regime signed, getting out from under them, stop paying mediocrities like Ryan Tannehill what he is, and and just get the best value that you can, get as many draft picks as you can, and move forward a, a year from now. And I think the Tannehill trade was instructive that they decided to pay some money to Tannehill part of his contract so that they could get a fourth round pick back. So they've gone. The, the problem is it's, it's a whiplash from a year ago when they're giving up a draft pick for Robert Quinn. It's a sudden change, but Fitzpatrick is perfect and they might get better quarterback play. The, the, I think the change is also, you can map it to when they fired Adam Gase, Stephen Ross, the owner said on December 31st, one of the reasons that they parted ways was that Gase wanted to win now. And when we sat with him at the owner's meeting last year, we could feel a disturbance in the force when it came to, Gase and discussing the front office and some of their moves. The second thing they did was days later, took Mike Tannenbaum and moved him into a place where he had no decision-making power over the roster. General manager Chris Greer now oversees everything. And there was reports that when they talked to coaches and people that were candidates for the job, they basically said up front, this is what you're going to deal with for the next year or two. And they are in a position, they already have $96 million plus in 2020 cap space. And if you move on from Quinn, which they're trying to trade, and when Tannehill's money for next year dumps off, you're going to be around $125 million in cap free agent. You have total cap space that will lead the league. Well, it's already, they're already second for next year as it is. And you can't just assume you're going to go 0-16, though. The team, to Greg's point, you could still go 5-11 and or 6-10 and with this roster because they continually do that. But you're in a position to make moves where you're not attached to, like, they only have two players worth more than $10 million next season. They're stripping away their bad decisions. Let's look at it as like like a relevancy scale. So at the top of the list, you have what the Patriots have done for the past two decades, which can't be replicated. But the goal of every team, I think, should be the Letterman quote about Peyton Manning. He changed the skyline of the city. That's best case scenario for your franchise on a relevancy scale. The worst case is you have no quarterback – you're Ill- irrelevant for decades, and you're a laughing stock. Somewhere in between there is where most teams fall. The Dolphins are flirting with irrelevancy, laughing stock, but they're willing to take that one-year penalty for a shot at the skyline. And to me, that makes a lot more sense. Chase Stewart, from football perspective, asked it this way, which I thought was interesting. Is it better to have Christian Hackenberg for two years or Ryan Tannehill for seven years? I would take the two-year irrelevancy quarterback role. I would too. And then you'd have, if it means at the other end of it, you get your Sam Darnold, you get your Baker Mayfield. The, you get your answer earlier. And the problem with, if, and Dolphins fans will speak to this, the problem with what they've been doing for the past, let's say two decades, is it kind of does fall on that watch post-Marino Patriots dynasty, is they've just kind of lingered in the middle this whole time. They've never really made a hard charge, but they've never been bad enough where they could acquire big time uh, top five draft picks. Uh, so at some point, you got to reboot the model and try something different. So that's I respect that. And I also think Fitzpatrick is a perfect signing for the team because you it's a tough sell to any fan base. We're going to suck this year. Like, you know if you're a Dolphins fan, you're most likely going to suck. Well, we'll throw you this bone. Here's a guy who's probably not going to make us any better. He's not going to give us too many more wins. But it'll be fun. And Brian Fitzpatrick, I have personal experience with this. A lot of teams fans do because he's been on eight teams now. He makes things fun for a little bit, and that's all you really – if you could throw your fans that bone – 
and say we're still looking toward the future, I think it's a win-win. There is one other positive for the Dolphins, and I think the Browns, like when what they went through, help with this because Cleveland's, uh, you know, cadre of beat writers were largely against the analytical approach that Sashi Brown was putting together because it was new, it was misunderstood, and it was came with a lot of losing and ugliness, and there was issues with ownership. But already like most of the writers that are starting to figure out what the Dolphins are doing are fully behind it. A lot, a large chunk of the fan base are behind it. All weekend long on Twitter, what Miami's doing is being touted as the fresh new way to do it. We've seen other teams do this. Where in New York, if the, even if New York's trying to get to the same place, the way the Giants have messaged it and the way it's been received by media is the exact opposite. It's been well, one they're... clunky PR move after the next. The Dolphins have not announced this as a plan, but it, it is crystal clear what they're doing. And the Giants aren't doing that. I mean, I think they're not. The Giants are clear. And on some hand, I can understand what Gettleman is saying when he's saying, "This is the NFL. We're building. We're trying to win as we build." Because I think that that's an okay approach too. It just doesn't make sense that the way that they're doing. It. I mean, they just signed Antoine Bethay, who who's 38 years old. They're, you know, they're signing Golden Tate. They're, you can try to win while, while changing on the fly. The Dolphins have tried and, and failed at it. I think it's just a little more clear what Miami is doing. And it's also taking over a, a group that Tannenbaum ran that just, you know, spent a lot of money on a lot of agents. It had this whole idea to spend a ton on the defensive line and defense, and it just wasn't working. I, I do want to just point out the stat also from football perspective, uh, Ch- you know, FBG uh, Chase. I mean, he's getting a lot of pub. Nice, nice show for him. All right. Before. Last five years, only eight quarterbacks have more passing touchdowns than sacks. It's kind of a sneaky, great uh, stat. I like that stat. Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Patrick Mahomes, Ben Roethlisberger, Andrew Luck, Tony Romo, and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick is a little, un- you know, he he's a little underrated. What if you throw interceptions in there? <laughs> well, I'm just saying <laughs> that's not the stat. <laughs> we're not we're not discussing that. Fitzpatrick is a little offensive line proof because he gets rid of the ball so quickly. That leads sometimes to quick decisions that end up with the ball going in the other direction. Uh, but one one last point I have or thought about the Dolphins is. Um, they seem to be on to on the right path. They're, they have the right idea, but they have a long way to go. And, and so I don't want to celebrate them too much. And it all starts like the Browns. None of this is happening if they don't finally get Baker May- Mayfield. It took years from them to finally get to the quarterback, and they did. Um, and the Dolphins have to get the quarterback. So, like, so the everyone is right. And how are they going to do that? Well, that's the thing. I wouldn't say like, relentlessly oh, who do you and get a draft pick? And find who do you give credit hard. to? Sashi Brown, or it's not nothing to John Dorsey. It's like one person did part of the plan beautifully. And as a Browns fan, I don't care who gets the credit. But then you, I don't know if Sashi Brown and his team would have pulled off these correct draft picks and these moves and everything the way that that John Dorsey did it. So the Dolphins can you can get Chris Greer, Greer can put everyone in the right position and all this can happen. But you need to draft the right people right, and, getting, and get all this. Getting answer. draft picks and shedding money is the easiest. Tons of teams thing have possible. done that. It's pretty easy. It's pretty easy to do that. Other than like taking kind of the PR hit, you got to get some fortune along the way. And you got like Chris Ballard did a year ago, and you got to recognize uh, fortune when it hits you. I mean, he was in that three spot, and he took the the Jets, who are very happy with that trade for three second round picks. He has a he has one of them this year. He turned it into. You know, a defensive rookie of the year and a starter. That that second part is is the tougher part. That trade, which was one year ago yesterday, um, could have franchise altering effects for two teams in a positive direction. That doesn't happen a lot. The Jets got Darnold out of it, and the Colts built up a roster and got their best. Into the player. point, the Jets. Oh, what was the offseason messaging that Jets fans were? You know, scam for Sam. Let's go one and fifteen. This is the worst team in football. And then they didn't they didn't lose enough. Right. They had to make right. The they move. won a couple games at right. the end. That's the that's the trick. It's like the Dolphins, you know, I I've said it to you 
the end, uh, just like it would it really be that surprising if they came in second in the AFCs? I don't. It's so yes. early in the off season. If Brian Flores is a great coach and you get a little. You get a little uh, mojo on defense. Well, with Fitzmagic in the lineup, Fitz, honestly, he could and Fitzmagic, and you wins. win seven yeah. games, and the other two are. You know, I'm just saying, like, you, it's hard to get a, the number. Even one less pick. than that, it wouldn't be hard to imagine two teams with the worst record. That sure. that alone could keep you from the number one quarterback. Two final thoughts on tanking. Number one, the high cost of irrelevance is that pulling your franchise out of an apathy phase is often beyond your control, as the Browns saw for two decades. You can want to do it. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. Secondly, in every sport, the commissioner is hired to grow the game and protect the owner's interest, and he must be ever vigilant against tanking. It's an issue of public trust, just like gambling and the Black Sox scandal in baseball. You simply cannot have teams in any sport throwing games. Right. You can build your team however you want in the offseason, but once the games start, you have to try to win. Yes. All right. Let's, uh, let's move on and talk about some other news. Starting Cincinnati. A team that who I mean they're they seem to be in that kind of middle ground where they don't know what they want to be and it doesn't lead to any real success and uh, they're making a move on defense, parting ways with one of their most controversial players in franchise history, Vontae's perfect. Uh, Tom Pelissero Tom reported uh, that the team released the linebacker on Monday. Uh, it ends a seven-year run filled with suspensions and uh, dirty play, but also he's productive. Uh, as well, so there's a reason he was able to stick around as long as he did. Um, ultimately, though, uh, Cincinnati decides to move on, and West probably not um, a not a coincidence that it's when Marvin Lewis is out the door too. Marvin Lewis, who has been Von Perfect's biggest champion and some would say enabler over the past seven years. Now, this is a guy who, at his best, was one of the most physically tough, punishing off-ball linebackers in the NFL, and along with Geno Atkins, the best defensive player on some really good Bengals teams over the past seven years. That said, it's not surprising to me that his career is at a crossroads due to concussions with the dirty way in which he played football. Hmm. It's interesting to think back on this era. I mean, they might have a future Hall of Famer in A.J. Green. You know, they had some Andy Dalton moments, certainly. But don't you kind of think of it as like the perfect era? I mean, this yes. this decade was he was kind of the defining Cincinnati Bengal. Well said. I uh, the one the, I was at at the combine where he was there, and it was back in the days when we would actually sit around the college players and do stories on them and stuff. And I was floating around looking for someone interesting to talk to, and suddenly Vontae's perfect sat down at one of those little round tables, and there weren't that many people around him, but he started to gather. Uh, reporters because of just who he was. And I'll never forget that when they asked about his inconsistent play, he would blame coaches. He openly just blamed his coaches for how they put him in, into the defense. Penalties, he blamed the refs. And, at, you know, why are you seen this way as sort of a, a cantankerous individual? He would blame reporters. And there was uh, Bruce Feldman of CBS Sports came out of that combine saying, I'm not sure any player here sparked a worse reaction than Vontae's perfect. I wouldn't touch him. And no one did touch him until Marvin Lewis picked him up as an undrafted asset. That's a good point. Well, as far as what's next for him, even if the concussions allow him to play, he was one of the worst linebackers in the NFL last year, came in out of shape after suspension, and really was a major reason why their defense was terrible after he got back in the line. 
third straight year being suspended to start the season. I mean, that's that's pretty hard to do. Well, uh, I don't know if it's ever happened in the history of the league. Uh, I don't believe he's in line for a suspension to start 2019, but he's going to have to find a team first. In other uh, Bengals news, here's a smart move by the team. You could say two smart moves. <laughs> Tyler Eifert's back in the building. Uh, the oft-injured uh, tight end, 28 years old now, signed another one-year deal with the team. The former first-round pick back in 2013. When he's on the field, he's been uh, a great red zone target, but he has been as snake-bitten by injury as any player in football. Uh, he missed the final 12 games of last year with a gruesome ankle injury uh, back in 2015. He had 13 touchdowns in just 14 games. So that's that's why I, I joke about it, but I, I was serious when we were talking about sleepers in the free agency um, field. Uh, he is a good pickup, and any team would be good to take a flyer on him on a prove-it deal. And if uh, he stays healthy, he's going to be a top 10 tight end, maybe top five. But I don't know if he can stay healthy. Your Tyler Eifert joke has gotten no pushback on this podcast because no. we all know that it's not even a joke. Andy Dalton <laughs> has been a different quarterback when Tyler Eifert's been healthy. Look at their one loss record in games in which Tyler Eifert has played versus when he's been injured. And it's. It's not quite Gronk, but it's pretty close. No, well, I mean, the problem it, is he missed 52 games in five seasons. Right, right? In a, in yeah, a, that's not a big deal. Though. In a free agency where Jesse James got is getting nine million dollars for 2019, it's what? like who would you rather have? Eifert by far. That's, that's where you you, di- you dig into these contracts a little bit. It was like two years, eleven million, but nine in the first year. You're giving Jesse. Well, who James. would you rather? Tyler have? Croft is got a big Croft money. Got three years from the Bills. I like Eifert better, but who would you rather have over the next three years or two years? James. Jesse James, James, or thirty-two games or thirty-one games or Eifert for eight. No, I think Eifert that's for well, eight because I, I would not. I, I can find a guy on the street who can do what Jesse I, James. I'm not, just saying you want availability on some. You can't level. find. You know, put some respect on Jesse James's name. <laughs> he just changed generations uh, of his family uh, with his ability to catch that pigskin. I don't like think it. it's his ability to catch that's getting him paid. You know, he also caught that pigskin in that game against the Patriots a few years ago. Dropped it, though. His ability to move Dropped other it. large Sh- men is getting him paid. By the way, shout out, shout out to um, Zach Taylor. So he's this guy, 35-year-old. Um, he's the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. No, I don't no. think he's been mentioned You're on thinking, this no, no, podcast. No, not, Former starting quarterback of the Cornhuskers. I just feel like Zach Taylor for a brand new head coach. Hey, wasn't he on home and we see you out there, Zach Taylor, making moves. He looks like toe for grace to me. Trying That's to all I know do about things. Has, has a head coach ever entered the league quieter than Zach Taylor? I, I thought they were still looking for their head coach. <laughs> Haloti Nada's career is over. Uh, he announces his retirement after 13 seasons. He does it in a very subtle way. I always thought that Mark, when the time comes to quit, he'll do it in in, in a profound way. Months from now, one one in a way that, <laughs> you know, again, it's somewhere just, uh, desolate and 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 a place where he could reflect on the journey of his life. Just don't do it during the season, Mark. You keep saying months from now. There was one. You had one timetable at some point that like put you out around. October. Just like let us know before camp, maybe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I it, mean, I'm going to do it when I need to, just you know, like this like, guy did. It's like an issue that we're having with our fantasy baseball league. A couple <laughs> of guys that ran a team together announced like three weeks before the draft, oh, we're not doing it this year. And then you, you hang the whole league out to dry because you're scrambling to find somebody to fill the spot. So my leaving this show after seven, eight years of us being together yeah. is no more on par than with your fantasy football people. <laughs> I mean, the, our baseball league. team. He's Please. just saying more than three weeks notice. Yeah. I mean, I mean, our my fantasy team went back to 2002, though. Like we just know each other. since <laughs> wow. like 2012. Or so. I mean, very telling. <laughs> But I'm I'm saying don't quit. But if you do quit, um, do it like Haloti Nada, who 
posted a photo from atop Mount Kilimanjaro, uh, holding up a big old sign announcing his retirement. One of the cooler ways to step away from the game. And and let us not forget, Mark, that Nada was a great player for the Ravens. Um, selected in the first round in 2006, five Pro Bowls, two first-team All-Pros, two second-team All-Pros. Um, and then uh, with the Ravens, you know, won a ring, 2012, happy trails. I will say one thing. Like, I'll let these guys weigh in on him, the player, but I was aware of him the minute he got drafted because there were these reports all along in 2006. I was at my parents' house on some, like, I was not married or anything, didn't even have a girlfriend, just like one of those things where you fly to your parents' house for vacation because they'll pay for everything. And I'm watching the draft in, like, the spare bedroom and Cleveland had the 12th pick in the first round. And you want to talk about all the dark age stuff. Phil Savage was their GM and spent the entire day, we learned later on, on the phone with Holodi Nata saying, we are taking you. You're going to be a Cleveland Brown. And he, he's like, back then, 2006, the Browns hadn't been terrible that long. Let's do it. I'm all on board. Then, the, then Phil Savage makes this bizarre first round trade with the Niners, where, or with the Ravens, excuse me, where he allows Baltimore to hopscotch them from 13 to 12 the Ravens take Haloti Nada. What happened there? And the Browns take Canarian Wimpley. Haloti Nada played for 133 awesome games and helped to win a Super Bowl. Wimbley, an okay player, was out of Cleveland in four years. Give me a break. Wasn't Daniel Jeremiah scouting for the Ravens at the time of that trade? He was. More, uh, Chris Mortensen said he, he remembers. Uh, he might have been with the Browns by then. No, he, he was saying don't. Don't listen to the the pre-draft uh, talk that this guy takes plays off. This guy's sensational, and I think uh, you know that was a it was a big moment for Move the Sticks. Dan, name help n- get Nada drafted. Name a song with Kilimanjaro in the lyrics. Mm. Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue, Chris. Recently covered by a famous '90s band. Mm. It's Crosby, Stills, and Nash have no a mention what, what of one of theirs. It? Toto. Africa. Uh, oh, Toto. Yes, yep. there it is. Well done, Chris. As sure as Kilimanjaro rises like Olympus above the mm. Serengeti. <laughs> well done. One of the great videos. Go watch that video. I mean, one of the great halftime performances in my life is seeing Rivers Cuomo deliver Toto at halftime of a Santa Monica community <laughs> college football game. Oh, True story. Wow. Steve Smith's old he, he He made it sing. What's Rivers doing there? He went there, and he was trying to raise money for him. Nice. Kent, Kent just got in my ear and he said, well, I'm going to, before you jump in, Kent, I'm going to put it to a vote. SMCC. Kent, Kent got in my ear and said he has a Toto fact. All right, there's three people voting. I will abstain. Yes or no? Give me a simple yes or no, Mark. Do you want the Toto fact from Kent? Uh, concise one. Yes. I want the total Toto fact. Oh, I thought it would be really funny if we just said no. So no I want no should be the answer. Then we move on. And you know, I get the, the audience laughs. I get the feeling, Mar- uh, Greg, if I would have started with you, that would have swung <laughs> the vote the other way, but it didn't go that way. So what is the fact, Kent? The lead singer of Toto is the son of movie composer John Williams. Did you guys know that? No, I, I did, did not. know. I didn't know that. Yeah, his John son, Williams is the Star Wars guy. Yeah, right? and, yeah. and well, among other like things. Jaws. Indiana Jones, things. Jaws, yeah. pretty much all I'm Spielberg. Yeah, his son... <laughs> It's a good nugget. I needed a little more. That is a good nugget. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Max Unger is done. Nice transition. Uh, he's out. <laughs> uh, the center said, uh, my, my body hurts. My entire lower half is killing me, so I can't play professional football anymore. He's turned to 33 this year. Um, he missed one year in four games with the Saints. Uh, came over from the Seahawks in a trade. 
but Unger is Jimmy Graham trade. Done. The Jimmy Graham trade, that's right, was a major name in that deal, uh, but his career is over at age 33. He was so uh, frank about it, like, saying goodbye, Just not just his body. just thought he's like I, He basically was saying he thought he was past his prime, that he wasn't nearly as good as he used to be. Some of the PFF numbers support that, but he did make the Pro Bowl still, and the, and the I guess the Pro Bowl doesn't doesn't mean too much. He made that Jimmy Graham trade look a lot better than than it probably should have. Well, I think Drew Brees' inability to throw deep in from December on last season wasn't the only issue with that offense. The interior of the offensive line really shut down. I'm a, I'm always impressed by someone who uh, grew up in Hawaii and just like has a great great career on the mainland and then he said he's going back to Hawaii which that's what you got to do like a smart that's the move that's i mean he's earned it you always go back to Hawaii if you start in Hawaii you should have to leave i understand why you leave though because you want to see what else is out there in the you prove yourself. Yes. as Sheck says on the big blue marble i get that and that, but then when it's time to bring it back down you know when you're getting closer to the soil once more Come back home. Well, if you read Joseph Campbell, the greatest part of the hero's journey is after you've proven yourself, you get to come back a different person. See, that All part sounds good. Yep. Right. The, that, the Saints were very surprised by this, by the way. They, well, they, sound, they signed his apparent successor. Right, to a ton of money, a guy Nick who Easton. has struggled, Nick Easton. It, this entire offseason has been a reminder. If you don't have a good offensive line coach or a, a offensive or a GM that, and coaching staff that can build an offensive line, you are going to pay for it. Two times over. You're going to pay when they stink the first time around, and then you're going to overpay for these guys in free agency. It's going to bang you twice. What what they said. Sounds bang. like my household finances. What they oh. said. <laughs> I thought you were saying it sounded like your weekend there. <laughs> no. It definitely did not I sound like that. I would love to hear about that. What they say about Hawaii, Mark, that you always come home. Do they say that about Connecticut? I had been no. priced out of Connecticut. No. I was like flushed out of there the minute that I was essentially not you know, living in my I mean, it's not house. any cheaper here. No, but that that was at a period in time right. when I was twenty something, you know, doing three day a week temp jobs, you know, dying. <laughs> Tom Telesco can afford to live in Connecticut. Uh, he signs another extension with the Chargers to remain their general manager. He's forty six years old. Hold on, by the way, yeah, your brother, his dangerousness, Kevin Danger Hansis, yeah. had some uh, interesting Instagram stories about the St. Patrick's Day activities in Pearl River. Danger? I'm, I'm just going to give you one takeaway. Yes. It looks like an ultra beautiful town. It looked absolutely <laughs> beautiful to we me. We do good work with the property. Yeah, we, I didn't we're see the, I, I, the I, He somehow did not capture on film the entrance to the coal mine. I only saw sort of gleaming streets. <laughs> well, where did streets. you see it on the uh, parade route? Well, it was this beautiful, almost like downtown Dallas, uh, JFK, Central curve in the curve in the streets there. It's, it's, for, rich, it's for rich whites. That, that's certainly not, not true, but <laughs> that wouldn't be a horrible thing either, Greg. Um, <laughs> the, at the bottom of the hill, that's the entrance. I think that might be what, I, you know, it was just beautiful. And that's what happens. where they put the mine. And what happens is, and it is, it looked like everybody was having a great time. It didn't look like it. It's they were. one of the more Irish towns in the entire state of New York, and everyone has a great parade to celebrate their heritage. And then when they get to the bottom of the hill, Wes, they put down the uh, Irish sweaters and, and their Guinness, and they pick up a hard hat. I think it's always a better idea <laughs> to put down. the mine at the bottom of the hill than the top of the hill. That's <laughs> no, lower down. You know, I get closer to the I don't know why he didn't capture, the like, the, the entire payoff on his story. I didn't well, you see know, any evidence of You know that. how those things are. I know, no. You must <laughs> yeah. have been swept you up in hide, the, Yeah, you yeah. got to hide. Yeah. That's Congratulations, the- Tom Telesco. <laughs> <laughs> But he's done a nice job. Well, 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 48 and 48 in his tenure, but they are they are treading in the right direction. Well, he's shown the ability to to build great rosters, and 
even before when they were losing games to injuries and special teams play and kickers who couldn't convert, we knew all along that this, this team had a good roster. He hits on first most first-round picks. He found Keenan Allen in the third. Not found him, but he's the one that you decided, we're taking this guy. Denzel Perriman in the later rounds. Hunter Henry, Derwin James, Joey Bosa, there Melvin go. Gordon. I mean, that's, you know, a number of GMs just whiff on all this stuff. Dominic rogers Cromarty signs with the Redskins. Um, he was retired, as you recall. Uh, just five months ago, he decided to walk away from the game. Um, but changes his mind. So with the Redskins, he reunites with Landon Collins, his former big blue teammate, mm. uh, who just signed a six-year deal, of course, with Washington. Uh, DRC turns 33 uh, next month. So we'll see what he has left in the tank. But Washington decided this is a move uh, worth making, Greg. I mean, it's good to see DRC back. I remember when he threatened to retire five years ago, but I think Wes had heard some some report about this story, which blew my mind. What was that? My guys, the sports junkies out of Washington, D.C., I've been listening to these guys. Shoot, I used to pull them down at midnight from Westwood One Radio in the days right after I quit the post office and started at a law firm. This is going back 20, mm. 25 years. Um, they've been on this scene for that long, and they don't usually report, like, News, hard news. But Where you go with this? They said this morning, reliably informed that Bruce Allen is making all decisions for the Washington Redskins without consulting Jay Gruden in the least. So Jay Gruden is in the dark on all of these moves, the head coach. Um, and they pretty much said they're never going to admit to this because it's not the way any NFL team wants it to be known that they're running a franchise. But as soon as Jay Gruden is fired, which will probably be after the next season or during the next season, they fully expect Jay Gruden to come out and say, hey, I wasn't consulted on anything. This is all Bruce Allen's doing. And I think it goes to show that, like, Bruce Allen is so insulated. I don't think I don't think the Redskins realize how they're viewed outside of that mm. of team headquarters. They talked about Gruden with the Landon Collins signing that would be your big offseason move. He just found out about it the way that we did through the media. <laughs> It's it's totally wild. That is next level dysfunction. If, if true, happening. Bruce Allen has been around. He's an interesting character. I mean, he's the son of one of the most legendary football coaches in NFL history. Right. Built the Buccaneers with with John Gruden. You know, started started with the Raiders. Uh, was an executive there, and it, he reminds me of like the rest of the world kind of operates this way. He seems really good at just amassing power and controlling power and having control of the business that he's running. And this is a country where that's rewarded quite heavily. Yes. I mean, that's how it's pretty much that's that's supposed to be a great thing. Like he's he's essentially, you know, hitting home runs by making Bruce Allen a top-level executive for the longest time with very little track record that any of it is working or or doing well, but he seems uniquely excellent in Oakland, Tampa and here at amassing power getting rid of enemies, and and just, I don't know, surviving. He's been around forever. Stuff. I once sat next to him on an airplane en route to an NFL event, and I want to tell you that I could feel that like <laughs> energy and that power oozing off him, but that was the opposite of what I felt. Yeah, so, I, He seems like a nice guy when he talks and stuff. I don't know about you guys, but I've worked most of my adult life to separate myself from people who want to amass power and think <laughs> only of themselves. Right, but like, power for power's sake, which is funny because like, in the rest of – like the world or at least in this country it's like that's almost like applauded like oh yeah well oh, he's he's a, he's country. a great success like that's but in sports you don't really get applauded for that 
You also have to be good at what you do, too. Right. Right. But I'm saying, like, how many executives. I'm not sure he's that. Right. But how many. That's what that's kind of my point is, like, executives all over this country making, you know, tens of millions. Yeah. Many of them aren't good at their job either. They're just good at amassing power. But we're not writing. We're not, like, focusing. You don't have a fan base around the CEO of, you know, Winstead and Johnson. There's no media. They just are collected paychecks. I'm a huge Winstead and Johnson. I don't know what. Who knows what that is? Um, (laughs) They're doing great stuff. Their rebuild is going very very well. Very corrupt. (laughs) Dig into it. Uh, A few more moves. Let's hit them quickly. Bryce Callahan, the uh, slot corner. For the Broncos, um, signed a uh, excuse me, signed a three-year deal worth 21 million with the Broncos. Uh, missed the end of last year with a foot injury, but slots into mm. a secondary that looks like it could be better on paper. Chris Harris, Cream Jackson's in town, and Bryce Callahan. Well, I thought he was the best slot receiver in the NFL last year until he went down with that foot injury, and part of that, of course, is because they got so much consistent pressure up front, and he was playing with two great safeties behind him. So that makes his job easier, but it's also reuniting him with Vic Fangio, who was running that. Fangio, the Eagles, and Ronald Darby agree to a one-year contract. Uh, Rap sheet reported this one. ESPN first had it. He suffered a torn ACL this past November, so he's in the recovery phase. Uh, but uh, the Eagles and Darby stay in business. We'll see if he can uh, help the team. That's not too far off, far long ago now. Uh, ACL turn November that will set him back in his off season. Planning. Both these last two contracts made it on my best contracts list. <laughs> Wes's favorite piece of uh, content that I've produced. Not Kareem Jackson, though. No, I like these uh, short-term deals, though. I think that's like that's basically the future. Like the smartest teams are doing essentially these cheap one-year deals, and they're not afraid of the unknown. Like they're not afraid of going into each offseason just having to figure things out with these one-year contracts. Is he going to be ready for Week One? That's like I said, November. We'll see. Iffy. Iffy. TBD. Good finally, ball player, though. Finally, the Raiders uh, finally part ways with Donald Te- Donald Penn. I feel like this has been years in the making. The veteran tackle uh, who has uh, been with the Raiders for five years um, moves on. He They cut ties and um, at an age now where his career could keep going, but uh, I believe he's 34 uh, it could be a situation where he's got to kind of catch on wherever he can. Um, Donald Penn, does he bring value to the team? Does he have anywhere? Would he be on the top 101? How about that? I believe he's 36 years old. The Texans are showing interest, reportedly. Um, the word out of Oakland is that he became more trouble than he was worth as his skills started to decline. There. Locker room lawyer? Uh, I, like the Colton Miller like draft pick did not help. Give me a locker room lawyer. He was Elon. always trying to get paid regardless of how well he played was sort of the way I heard. Because hmm. he's great when he's on NFL Network. They mean just like he strikes me as one of those like the coaches don't like it when the players are smarter. I mean, it's, and he seems like he might be one of the smartest people in the room in any room. And the Gruden era began with Donald Penn as this big Gruden guy who knew him from the like, like ages ago, and they that's were right. pals. They were that's real tight. Right. They both loved it. And then look where it ends. He. So, um, he spent some time at Tony P's in Marina Del Rey, one of my old hangouts. Donald, Donald Penn, known to frequent that. Big, him, big man. The, uh, big man. Huge man. Met him at the owners' meetings last year, Mark, at that uh, soiree they threw on Monday evening. Do you remember that party last year? I do remember that. It was um, a meeting a giant of a man. That's all I recall. I mean. I can't say anything else. He is large. Drafted by John Gruden and Bruce Allen. It all. Yep. That's life. All right, coming up this week. So, yes, this is a Monday show. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we'll have another show on Wednesday, Friday. 
We won't have a show because we'll be traveling. We'll be traveling off to Phoenix, Arizona, lovely Phoenix, uh, to uh, meet with multiple player uh, owners. No, excuse me, no, neither players nor owners, but coaches <laughs> and some GMs maybe. A lot of them, in fact, so we'll get to uh, talk it up, chop it up, hopefully get some info uh, on where their teams are headed. That's going to be fun. Those were fun shows last year. It was the first time we did it. They're bringing us back. Seems like a good sign. Got yeah. some good content meeting these coaches. And we're we're still finding out, by the way. We have not been told. We're it, it is a this is the one event where you have an opportunity to stay in the same hotel as the owners, so you can only imagine it's a nice hotel. Well, I heard today from a shadowy league figure. I have not decided if we will be staying in the luxury hotel. I was told the same. <laughs> it did not sound. Um, we could be in the days in well, by the airport. No, well, it would be. It'll be just like a little one star down about an Uber right away. Right, Cause, because the the Orlando setup, we actually didn't stay in the same hotel as them. They were just connected, so it all sort yes. of worked that Same-ish. way. Hey, uh, borrowing from Kent's approach here, I have a factoid about days in. Should we vote on it? Do I get to vote? <laughs> no, Chris. Let's. I mean, I've already that. pissed off West enough with this uh, contracts article. I don't want to. Oh, I knew that was going to stick with Greg. <laughs> Days in missed a large I'm chunk of that conversation. Days in started on Tybee Island, Georgia. Oh, wow, that's pretty good. That's, that's that is a great one. It's better that's, than Kent's. That's was. great. Kent's Sorry, sucked. Kent. Kent's fucking <laughs> suck. I. <laughs> I don't know. John Williams' son being the lead singer of Toto. That's a pretty good fact. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, agree to disagree. If you're like a huge John Williams fan, but it's 2019. You know, Greg, you're always, you know, denigrating anything. You from just the past. said it was a terrible, terrible. But I wasn't segment. going after John Williams' career. The man is a titan in his industry. He's That's great. True. He's great. Yeah, he is. He's a legend. He's timeless. He's I'm, still working. I'm like, still pro- I'm all the way back, Kent. Great tidbit. Would I watch like a documentary about him? No. Shout out to Rosanna Arquette, who inspired <laughs> two 1980s hits because lead singers were. Rosanna. Go on after her. Rosanna. Rosanna. Oh. Yeah. What's the other one? Uh, I think it's from REO Speedwagon. I'm not sure which one. All right. Definitely want Wells them on your, on your – Wait, so there was radar. more There was more sniping between Wes and Greg after I left No, no, I just – I. it was one of those things There's where no – This was earlier Wes, today. Well, Wes made a, a one of his I think more he, convincing arguments to not go one. with a different uh, type of segment today. And Greg uh, was very – I thought – uh, amiable about the whole thing, and then it comes up here in the show an hour. Well, later, I couldn't agree more with Wes. That's why oh, I can oh, joke about it, it now. Mentioned it. I thought yeah, multiple that's times. That's what you do with friends. Show, so. you, that's what you do with friends. I thought you were insinuating that something else happened after I left the room. No, no. Oh, I'm insinuating okay, that it just stuck in. It's some. It's it somehow little, stuck in Greg's. You know, it was a little hot and heavy uh, well, for a Monday morning. As not I often that I really fight for or against. I appreciate it. I wasn't that into the segment either, which I you know indicated multiple times. So you're you you were not. Like pushing that on us, Greg, either, but it did come up two or three times during the show about oh. Wes's reaction. That's, that's a bit of an indication that's sticking with you a little bit. Yeah, that's what that's what friends do. Then you get you have a little fun with them. Right. Greg can, taught us I about friendship that. today. That was good. All right, so that's it. We're excited to go back uh, close to the owners' hotel. Hopefully, we get security clearance before the big uh, weekend. We're I was the told foothills. that the staff that we're going with are being deprioritized uh, versus us. It's not a package deal. They're going to try to get the four of us in the in the A hotel, even if it means, you know, people that we know and don't want to mention on the show who are sort of coming along as the caravan going to the second hotel. If Ricky Hollywood ever shows up again in in this country. <laughs> she who? may be B hotel. Is she B I'm hotel just or hearing, A hotel? I'm hearing whispers that she may not be part of A hotel. Oh, be pretty no. funny. The A <laughs> hotel scenario. That would be so. pretty funny. That's not going to go over well. All right, that's it.
Kent, you've done great work uh, for us for uh, four episodes, and we just want to personally, on the show, take a moment to say thank you. Yeah. Thank Thanks, you. Kent. Thank you for Seriously, having me. Seriously, great job not taking a vacation during the busiest time of the year. Way to, <laughs> way to be, Kent. <laughs> All right. Good factoid. That's, uh, that's it. This is Dan Hansa signing off for The Quiet Storm, The Mailman, The Old Boss, Kent Brown behind the glass. It's Brown time. It's Kent's moment. Till Wednesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in Coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.